Hewler and Motes are on the air. This is the Steelers Blitz on your 24-7 home of the black and gold. SNR, Steelers Nation Radio. Three o'clock on a Friday. You know what Friday is, ladies and gentlemen. It is Moats Host Friday, and that is me, yours truly, over here with my counterpart, Mr. Wesley Euler. And his Euler and Moats are usually three hours of paradise, but today it's gonna be two hours of paradise. I know you might be sad. Trust me, I am weeping inside for you. Because let's be real, you wanna hear more of us, we wanna give you more of us, but we can't right now. But at the end of the day, we're going to have a blast today. As always, fun-filled show. We're going to have audio lined up. Coach Tom will be speaking, hopefully within the next, you know, 15, 20 minutes, depending on how practice went. It's a nice, beautiful, rainy day cool. in Pittsburgh. I mean, I feel so at home coming into the studio with rain. What about you, my main man? <sighs> Not a big fan, although I will say, this has been a... Uh Especially by Pittsburgh standards, yes. This has been like a, a this has been a solid A summer for weather. No, it, with, it really has. And by Pittsburgh standards, I mean this has been like a 4.0 grade point average summer. So I can't complain about the the rough weather today and yesterday because we've been pretty fortunate in that regard. But yeah, man, it is uh, as as you know, one might be inclined <laughs> to hear in town. Oh, it's really coming down out there. Hey, look, I'm just glad that we had power. I'm driving in here. I'm, I'm over here looking for different gas stations to stop by, and every gas station has no power. The restaurant's no power. I'm like, is the studio going to have power today? Yeah. Fingers crossed I showed up. Lights were on, and, and I didn't even know the lights were on initially. <laughs> I just saw this this person with beautiful hair, was freshly trimmed, probably a day-old haircut, day old. and just these beautiful teeth just smiling through the door. And I said, oh, I don't mm. know if it's lights on, but my man, my man Wes is in the building, so we are here to work and get better today. I'm always in the building, baby. I mean... <laughs> You know, I mean, I'm not going to lie to you. If the power was out, you know, hypothetically, I, mean, I wouldn't hate the day off. You, you probably would have been the guy to put the power back on because you do everything. You're a man that wears many, many well, hats. They would have just needed you and I in the building, right? That's why we're the electric factory. Hey, I mean, we would have we powered this whole place. Listen, between, between us and, uh, you know, Adam Crowley's sitting right next door to us today. Oh, okay. He's coming down here to the third floor because See? Mark Madden's out today. Crowley's in he, for Madden. He coming out with us common folk. That's what you trying to tell us so today? So he's right next to us. So, uh, you know, uh, between between the three of us, Adam Crowley and the two of us, I think that's enough energy to keep this whole place going. Hey, without a doubt. In worst case, we always got the power grid, the megawatts. You know it. We know how they ride for us and in fact we always talk about how we are a very interactive show we love the tweets so please don't forget to tweet the day at the body 52 the body and at wesley Euler. i feel like i gotta say it backwards now since i'm in the, <laughs> and i'm in the one chair right yeah. now it's throwing me off a little bit listen you do what you want to do baby man you know i'm just having a blast with this name man because this is a beautiful day man it's the end of the week the end of the work week but ultimately man when we're talking about steelers training camp they don't have the end of the work week. It's just another right. day. They're just on the grind. And Amen that's the thing that. that's beautiful about the training camp element of it, man. That was the one thing I always appreciated about training camp was how during this time of year, 
everything outside of your sport kind of stops. Hmm. You don't worry about Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday. You just know, hey, this is a work day today. Yeah. We're, we're, we're focusing on third down today. Okay, it was this day. All right, we're working on you know our, our second and long plays and things like that. And it really just gives you the opportunity to stay singularly focused. We hear Coach Thomas speak about that a lot in terms of being singularly, singularly focused on the day. What's the task at hand? And especially with everything going on, from just a COVID standpoint or a social justice standpoint, it's easily it's easy to get distracted right now, right? Oh, absolutely. It's easy to lose focus. It's already a built-in excuse, very much valid, but still a built-in excuse if you wanted to lose that focus and kind of step away for a little bit. But the thing that you would always have to applaud are the guys that are able to stay focused on the task at hand because at the end of the day, Regardless of what is going on right now, especially during the training camp time, once the season gets here, those those excuses are going to be null and void. Nobody's going to want to hear what you had to deal with or what you were contemplating or what you had to overcome. They're going to want to see wins and losses. And ultimately, that's what you're seeing right now from the leadership standpoint with the Steelers and how they're continuing to press on through everything that's going on. It's not an easy time at all. No, it certainly is not. And that's where... <sighs> You and I talked about this over the summer before training camp. And to an extent, uh, I feel like so many people have touched on it that's sort of become cliche at this point. But, hey, every cliche is called a cliche because it started as a truth that just got repeated so many times. This is right? very true. The continuity and the veteran leadership, the veteran nature uh, of this roster and of the Steelers coaching staff and front office and ownership group that's going to help this season. Everybody is climbing an uphill battle. That's another thing we've heard, right? Every, not everybody, but I know that's something that Vance McDonald mentioned. I know that's something that Ben Roethlisberger mentioned. I know it's something that James Washington mentioned, right? That, man, we all feel like we're scrambling here to get ready, but at least everybody's scrambling to get ready. But I think in a lot of those areas that the Steelers already have that continuity, again, uh, you could talk about the roster on the field, right? And, and and Ben Roethlisberger and the leadership of Pouncey and DeCaster and that offensive line. And even though it's a young wide receiver room, uh, Juju's now going into his fourth year in the NFL. And, which and, is crazy to which think Which is right crazy now. to think oh my about. God. Uh, Deontay, Deontay Johnson and James Washington are now a little seasoned as well, too. James Conner is seasoned. Benny Snell's not a rookie anymore. Uh, on defense, obviously, I mean, you want to talk about leaders. Look at the defensive side of the football. you got the veteran leaders and and. Uh, Cam Hayward and Joe Hayden. Uh, you've and, got, and, and I would include Vince Williams in there Vince as well. Vince Williams as well, yes. too. Yeah, absolutely. You've got some of the younger up-and-coming blood like T.J. Watt and Devin Bush uh, and Minka Fitzpatrick. The Steelers are very fortunate. And, and obviously I could go on to talk about the, the, the decade-plus relationship between Mike Tomlin and Kevin Colbert and, and many key members of the coaching staff and the front well, office. Say, even Keith Butler, he's yeah. been there for a decade plus now. I think uh, Randy Feekter is another guy who's been there Close. extremely long yeah. time. I mean, we can go. Sean like, Surrett's been there forever. Like, I mean, it, Jerry Ozlowski, he's another guy. Started mm-hmm. out as a GA assistant. James Daniel, the tight end coach, way is, what, 17 or 18 years. Absolutely. Yeah. So uh, Still uh, wearing them same loose Tube socks, man, he's consistent. I Kevin, love him. Kevin That's my Col- guy. <laughs> Kevin Colbert's two decades with the organization. Uh, the Rooney family forever with the organization. Uh, that continuity in a season like this, that is tangibly going to make a difference. A lot of times, Moats, we try and pull all these things in sports, I think, right, just to make us feel better as fans about our chances. And sometimes you can pull some of those superficial things as a fan. Well, we have this going for us, and we can Mm -hmm. rally around this, and we have that. And a lot of times that doesn't matter. It's who's the better team and which coaching staff had their guys more ready and more prepared on that Sunday. 
But I do think this year, man, a lot of that uh, intangible stuff, a lot of that continuity that the Steelers have built up through years, a lot of that veteran leadership and youth leadership as well, too, on both sides of the football I think in in the minutia that you and I talk about, right, in the the any given Sunday, Mm -hmm. it's a game of inches, right? And you add those inches up, and that's the difference between winning and losing. You're supposed to say that in your Al Pacino voice. Come on, man. Well, he's got so many voices, Al Pacino. (laughs) It's tough because I always go to Tony Montana, right? (laughs) No, no, we don't don't want that, Tony. We we don't want that, Pacino. I got no no education. I come from the gutter. No, we don't want that one. I know this. Okay. Uh, uh, yeah, that. <laughs> the horse. That was not. That we, we was not the Pacino that was coaching football yeah, the no, no, Sunday. Yeah. But those, you know, the, that minutia that in a game like football, at the level of the NFL, those little things can can be the difference between a successful season, a double digit season, a, a division winning, or at least a, a an easy, you know, playoff firm in a playoff spot season. Those uh, those little inches could add up to uh, to be the difference for the Steelers in some tight contests this year. I really do think that. Yeah, you hit the nail right on the head. Um, when you're talking about just the overall maturity of this team, I've been a part of some teams where we really didn't have uh, established veteran leadership. You know, it, it was more so we were all kind of figuring this thing out. I think of, in particularly my last year in Buffalo, hmm. where at the time. I'm trying to think. I, I, maybe the oldest guy on the roster was Cal Williams, but he wasn't really the vocal leader type. I remember me coming into my fourth year and guys looking to me as the leader. And trust me, year four me versus year six, seven, eight me were night and day in terms of my leadership, uh, my leadership abilities in conveying that to these players and stuff like that. So when you look at the Steelers roster and you see guys that have 10-plus years, multiple guys, not one or two. Because like I said, when I was in Buffalo, we only had probably one or two guys that had 10-plus years. Everyone else who was, oh, you've been here four years? You're a veteran veteran. Like, they looked at you like you were the old guy. Whereas in Pittsburgh, four to six years, it's kind of like, oh, you're still just learning your ropes here. You don't really know anything just yet. We still talk about Juju that way. Yeah, absolutely. So when you look at – the Pittsburgh Steelers roster, and you look at guys like Ben Roethlisberger, you look at guys like Marquise Pouncey, you called it guys like David DeCastro, Cam Hayward, Joe Hayden. These are all guys who've been in the league a decade plus. So their maturity, their experiences are pivotal in terms of the development of everyone else during times like this, when you don't have the the just status quo to yeah. catch up and learn and, and get acclimated. You don't have those luxuries. So You look to those guys and you lean on those guys more so now. And the communication between them and Coach Tomlin is very pivotal because he's going to be able to ask them, hey, am I pushing you guys too much during this condensed training camp? Have that honest, that two-way dialogue. Right, because otherwise, if Coach doesn't trust these players from his relationship with them, he's not valuing their opinion. Mm -hmm. He doesn't want to hear their input. He's going to typically just say, hey, look, this is what we are doing. Go out there and execute. I don't care if you're tired right now. It's because you're young. You don't know. uh, You don't even know enough to be tired yet. Whereas with the guys like the, the, the veterans that are on this team right now, that's not the case. If those guys feel like, hey, man, he's pushing us too hard as a team, this is going to be detrimental to us going into the season, well, then without a doubt, they can communicate that to Coach Tomlin. He will listen to that and respect yeah. it 100%, man. Yeah, that's good. As long as right as the conversation isn't about too physical of a practice. Because yeah, then, yeah, I mean, yeah. Come you, on now. We, we don't know anything about on, that. You might be falling on death yeah. here. Listen, man, we don't know anything about being too physical in practice. What we do know <laughs> is this. We always have to pay bills because that's what keeps the light on. Huh. So as long as these lights are on, we're going to have to pay these bills. So <laughs> this is Jeweler and Mosman. We'll come back after the break. Hit it now. 
This is the Steelers Blitz with Wesley Euler and Arthur Motes on your 24-7 home of the black and gold, SNR. Oh, yeah. Gotta love the tunes coming back, man. Shout out to my producer, Mr. <laughs> Wesley Euler. He does it all yeah, while rocking a flawless that guy's good. WU fleece. Man, looks it team is, issue, it is man. College, it is college gear Friday. Oh, and it now, is- now, see, I'm, I'm upset with you, right? Because last week we came Uh-oh. in here, College Gear Friday, I was purple though. You saw me, I had my JMU shirt on, JMU hat, I had JMU purple shoes on. I looked across for you and you were like, oh, yeah, I just got regular, you know, just, uh, I think you had soccer, you might have had soccer jerseys, I just got regular stuff on right now. I'm like, yo, I thought it was College Gear Friday, like that's not a thing we're anymore. We're back, Motes. Man, we're, we're, we're back with College Gear Friday. Well, well I appreciate you, like you. This, don't you? I, I do, I appreciate Team you sending issue, me the memo, huh? you know. So, I think I've told you the story of this before. Um. But you know, I got my my WVU football. It is team issue. It's like the rain the yeah. rain jacket because it's again pouring down here in Western Pennsylvania today. I think I've told you this story before, but if not, oh well. I'm going to tell it again real quickly. <laughs> uh, one of my roommates from college now currently works in finance for the WVU athletic department. Mm-hmm. Two football seasons ago, he was up here. We went to Archie's on the south side, Ooh, which is the yeah. WVU. The guy who owns that place is a is a mm-hmm. is a mountaineer. Um, and so there's WVU watch parties no there on, on Saturdays. Um, and we're in there, right? And the game's about to start. And th- this was when Will Greer was still the quarterback right, at right. WVU two years ago. And and they show him like you know how they always do before games. Like they showed him you know like 45 minutes earlier when he's just out there just Stowing. getting yes. loose, not in his pads or anything. And he's got on this this thing that I'm wearing right here. And I say to my buddy Brian, my old roommate, I go, oh, man, look at that jacket that Will Greer's wearing. That's uh-huh. sick. I was like, oh, man. I was like, I would wear that all the time. I was like, that is dope. I really like that jacket. Well, fast forward, you know, like a month or two later, I went down to Morgantown for a game. And I always stay with my buddy, obviously, because he's got a house down there now that he's been living and working down there full time. And uh, I go back into his guest room to, like, drop off my duffel bag or my suitcase whenever I get there. And he had this laying on the bed for me. Nice. <laughs> so, yeah. That's it pays, it what pays friends the, I know you are can, you can tell. I mean, I'm, I'm preaching to the choir here. But, you know, when it comes to uh, when it comes to athletic gear, it's not cheap if you're just buying it in the store. No, it so, is absolutely not. So it pays to know somebody. I'm not going to lie to you, man. The first time I realized how not cheap athletic gear Dude. was yeah it was probably only like two years ago for no you, like like it? no so literally for me i had just Welcome finished my the other side. i just finished my contract with the seals right this is 2018 and this is before i signed with arizona and every june july time frame i would typically send my family like care packages of like the new steelers sure. gear for that season sure. so they could be decked out repping me and things like that and i was like oh man I don't have that, and because I still I wasn't retired at the time, I didn't personally feel comfortable. Even though the organization was like, "Hey, if you need anything, just come back over here," I personally didn't feel comfortable because I'm like, "Man, I'm still a free agent. If I sign somewhere, it's gonna be kind of awkward me coming back and forth to the facility." Sure. So I was like, "Man, I'm just gonna pay for it." They said I get a discount anyways because obviously me being on the team or being an alumni of the team. Right. Man, I bought literally one little one one hoodie. And that was with the discount, right? One hoodie, two shirts with the discount was almost two hundred dollars. I said, yo, this is out of control, man. I had no clue that a Nike hoodie could be anywhere between fifty to a hundred dollars, just depending on what year it came out. If it's this season's versus last season, I was like, oh, this is nuts. 
So yeah, I, 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 it, it was a rude awakening for me, but I learned my lesson. I said, okay, yeah. So, Dude. so all that care package stuff just kind of went out the window. Now you can't go really into the Steelers team shop or into the WVU bookstore, the JMU bookstore, mm-hmm. whatever. I mean, t-shirts now are at least thirty, thirty-five dollars. Oh, come on, and that's for the plain one, that, right? Nothing, nothing hats, special about it. Hats, just a plain hats t-shirt, are $30. at least thirty, thirty-five dollars. <laughs> yeah. uh, you know, hoodies now are seventy, eighty bucks. The hoodies, that's the, the hoodies. Raincoats cost, now are man. eighty, ninety bucks. Well, and the thing is, shorts this, are forty, fifty bucks. And to give more context, you don't even have one like a traditional. Like cotton or polyester hoodie, right? You have like the the it's rain, like the rain resistant, it's like a rain resistant storm fit. I but, think but is what stitched, they call it, but with the stitch logo on it, right? And yeah, that right there, man, it'd be easy ninety dollars. Oh, like for without sure. a doubt, for sure. Sometimes one twenty, depending on what store you go. I'm like, bro, this yeah. is crazy. It is. Yeah, the same shorts, right? The same whether your school or your team is Nike, Adidas, Under Armour, whatever. The same pair of Nike shorts that. If they have no logo or nothing on them mm-hmm. except for the swoosh, right? That you can get at Dicks or wherever right. for thirty bucks. If you put a Steelers logo on it, or you put oh, a WVU yeah. logo add on it, add thirty dollars to it. Add thirty dollars to it right it, away it, it, just for no that question. little logo. It's it is it is crazy. No question. So man. welcome to the other side, man. Right, right. Well, I appreciate <laughs> it. And, and the benefits of being on the other side is this too: the conversation we're about to have now, I don't have to have that pressure anymore. Hey, there because, we go. Because because what we want to talk about now, man, is. Going into this 2020 season, we've talked about who we think is going to be the breakout performer at each position, right, or offense and defense. We've talked about who has more pressure on them from a contract standpoint. But today we really wanted to dive into, out of each position group, which player is going to have the most pressure on them to perform to ultimately help the team win. So when you think about just starting out with the D-line, for example, right, when, when, to me, when I think of the D-line and I think of which player is going to have the most pressure on them in terms of having an impact on this team, I already know what Cam Hayward can do. We, we know he's super consistent, man. He He's, in the words of Coach Tomlin, you're, you're McDonald's number one, man. That's the Big Mac. It don't matter where you're <laughs> doesn't at, matter if you're country. in Pittsburgh, if you're in Florida, you, if you're you, in Arizona, you if you're in Ohio. You don't even have to speak the language. Just, can I get the number one? Number one, just put the one up, and that's what Cam Hayward is. You know that. With Tewitt, he's another guy that we know when he's healthy what to expect from him. But for me, the guy that I think – that the, the off, I mean, that the defense and the D line in particular really is going to lean on and need to perform at a high level is Tyson Alualu. You looked at him last year when Javon Hargrave went down and when Steph, I mean, not when Hargrave went down, when Stephon Tewitt went down. Tyson had the opportunity to play a, 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 a larger role, right, on the defense. And we saw his impact. We saw because of his consistent play, it left Cam Hayward being able to not be doubled every play. It left Bud and TJ being able to have some of the opportunities they had. I think for me, man, with Tyson, he's still the wild card in the group because yeah. you know he has the first round pedigree. He's a part of that 2010 draft class that you know the best ever. You, you know, in, in my most unbiased opinion, the 2010 <laughs> draft class. That's, I need like a horn to hit every time yeah, you bring up that. You, you definitely, wah, 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 wah. you definitely do, man. But when I think of him, you know his pedigree. You know the success that he's had both in Jacksonville and now coming here to Pittsburgh. I feel like it's going to be pivotal for him to still be able to produce at a high level because now his role is going to be even larger. We talked about, obviously, his role was big because of Tua going down last year, mm-hmm. but they still had Javon Hargrave on the roster. So it was still going to be minimized or capped to a certain extent. Now, he's going to be that third guy. He's going to see a ton of time. In terms of the starting defense, he's going to be that starting end opposite of a guy like uh, Stephon Tua and stuff like that. So when I think of Tyson, I say, man, he has to produce at a high level every time he's out there because that is just going to be critical. Otherwise, you have to worry about a guy like Tua being overworked, playing too many snaps, a guy like Cam playing too many snaps. And he is a critical 
piece. I mean, you don't want to lean too heavy on a guy like Isaiah Bugs, who we really haven't seen in stadium for a expanded amount of time. Obviously, you have the younger guys, Carlos Davis, you know, who's uh, it was a seventh round draft Nebraska. pick this year, Nebraska, little corn husker. And a twin, actually, man. Shout out to him. Yeah. Yeah, but when I think of that, it's just like it's still a lot of uncertainties around him. And yeah. I know people are raving about Dan McCullough in, ter- in terms of, you know, him coming in and his overall fitness this year. Uh, he was working out exclusively with Cam Hayward, uh, Stefan Tuitt, and Tyson Aluwalu, and they helped him out a ton in terms of preparing him for this season. But it's still different in terms of what you're expecting from those guys compared to what you're going to be expecting and needing from Tyson Aluwalu. Yeah. You know, I think we're going to have a similar conversation uh, when we talk about linebacker groups. Mm-hmm. Man, we're very confident with the guys who are the starters right yes, now. The, very, the guys who very. are listed at the top of the depth chart. The questions are in uh, the two deep and in, in the guys behind them. Particularly now on the defensive line uh, with Javon Hargrave, dearly departed across the state. Uh, yeah, I... The difference to me, though, right, is when we talk about the linebackers, and we will here uh, over the next, what, 90 minutes, uh, we talk about the J. Roan Elliotts and the Tuzar Skippers and the Ulysses Gilbert III and the Ola Adanis. Those guys are younger, and there's more unknown there than there is with the Tyson Alu-Alus mm-hmm. in the Big Dan McCullers. Um, yeah, Isaiah Bugs is a second-year guy, and, and Davis is a, is a rookie. But I, I think we should be, and I think I am, more confident in Alu-Alu and in Big Dan uh, than I am in the just the younger, unknown backups at the linebacker positions. I will say this, though, however. <sighs> Big Dan's been on scholarship for a long time. Woo! Eating good! Tyson, Tyson Alu-Alu. Great last name, by the way. <laughs> he, he's, he's been around for a long time, and these guys have stayed as backups for a while for a reason, mm-hmm. right? Uh, but I, I also think that there's they have proven throughout their NFL careers that they can be quality contributors, without a doubt. Um, the Steelers are going to need that, without a doubt. Uh, you just hope that Cam Hayward and Stephon Tewitt are healthy, good to go, 16-game seasons, and you won't have to rely on that a lot. But yeah, I, yeah I'm with I, you. you. You're right, though. If Cam and, or Tewitt or if both of them were to experience the injury or cool. one of them, that that would be rough. It's scary because at least, like I said last year, you still had Hargrave and you pairing him with Aluwalu. That's a lot different. Hargrave and Aluwalu with Cam Hayward is a lot different than if it's Hargrave and Big Dan or if yes, it's Hargrave it and Savon Walker, Hargrave and some of these other guys or vice versa. So, yeah, you, you're absolutely right in terms of you need those those top two guys yeah. to no, remain you, good. You do, and, and and that's why, like, I'm with you. I, I think the real kind of X factors in this conversation, because you and I, we, we've talked about this all off season, right? I mean, we could sit here and, and do the what if of health at nauseum. For mm-hmm. every position, it's the National Football League. Everybody's been hurt for the most part at some point in their career. If not, knock on wood, you've been very fortunate. You're one of the lucky ones. Man, so you're saying I'm not lucky. They told me when I got hurt and I dislocated my elbow and my legs stopped working, they said that I was lucky then. So I'm not lucky anymore? I've lost that? Well, I'd argue you – I mean, you've just been – you've been you've been fortunate in a lot of regards. Man, because they told me – they were like, man, you, you're the luckiest guy because we've never seen somebody get an elbow injury but have to get carried off the field because their legs stopped working. <laughs> 
and I was just telling him, I was like, well, when you see what my elbow looked like, my legs, they just, they had instant paralysis. I, I thought that was normal. I can't speak to your old luck, Motsi, but, you know, I feel like you've been. That's not normal. You've been, you've been with the gold at the end of the rainbow ever since you stepped into the studio with me. You know, I can just humble brag myself. Uh, it, it, that is the, I think, the biggest kind of, we've, we've talked about this a lot. On the defense, the depth in general is kind of the biggest X factor, the biggest what if. But we're also going to assume health in a lot of these conversations because yeah, you, yeah, absolutely. because you have to. But still, Tuit and Cam Hayward have healthy seasons. They play. They they're dressed in all sixteen games. You're still going to need production from those guys. It's everyone's going to have to have their hand in the pile, right? Uh, so yeah, I, I'm with you, uh, Tyson Alu Alu. Let's have a big year, Big Dan. Let's have a big year, uh, Bugs and 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 um, and Davis. You know, contribute as well too when you can. And, and yeah, I mean, this defense is, is going to be very good. Yeah, and then just to touch on what you were saying again, too, about those guys getting opportunities, the way it works, man, on defense, D-line rotates a lot. I mean, as much as we love Cam Hayward and Stephon Tewitt, even when they are completely healthy, they will never play more than 80% of the snaps right. on defense. I mean, if they do, it's not going to be well just because from a conditioning standpoint, it's just too demanding and too taxing on them. Same with outside linebacker. It's the reason why even with T.J. Watt, who we see play, what, 90, sometimes 95% of the snaps, he's going to have to come off the field numerous times in a game just because yeah. it's too demanding of a position. Rushing, rushing the passer just requires a lot. The effort that it takes to rush the passer, the effort that it takes to, after you have a rush, come back and do it again the mm-hmm. next play, do it two, three times in a row. So that's why, especially when we're talking about the uh, the front seven of the defense, some of these backups, is, they're going to have legitimate opportunities to impact the game. Oh, and yeah. if they aren't up to par or if they aren't playing to a level that is – you know, varsity or better, <laughs> then it's going to definitely be detrimental to them. So, I mean, as, as we're talking about this and we're talking about the linebackers now, just from an outside linebacker standpoint, I'm over here and I'm really debating. I'm torn between these two guys, right? Because Ola Danny has been the preseason <laughs> darling for the past two years. Yes. And I'm sure if, if we were seeing preseason games this year, he would be the darling again. Oh, Tunch and Wolf would be talking Come about on, him man. at training camp. I mean, <laughs> you should have seen this guy. He's he, my camp phenom. He, he wears the 92. He can rush the passer. He <laughs> dominates one-on-one pass rush. So, yeah, people love him for that. I'm a fan of him because of that. The difference, the only issue with him is we haven't had opportunity to see him extensive action during the season because of injuries that he sustained over the past two years. But then you got Alex Highsmith. A guy that you heard when Coach Tom was speaking on him, he spoke about him at a high level, talked about how he was being very competitive and doing it against varsity-level players, the guys that you expect to be out there on Sundays. Mm-hmm. Highsmith is still being able to produce at a high level. So when I think of him as well, I'm kind of torn in terms of which one I think is more important hmm. to that outside linebacker group because we know what TJ and Bud can do, but either Highsmith or Danny are going to get numerous, ample opportunities to contribute to this team, especially on defense. So that's my biggest thing. I, I'm not. I still, even right now as I'm talking about, I still don't know which yeah. way I'm leaning just yet. I probably would default towards Highsmith just because we don't have to worry about the health issues thus far hmm. with the uh, with the Danny. Obviously, the past two years he's had, you know, whether it was an injury, Some surgery, during, yeah, and, surgery. Yeah. Well, actually, had the surgery during camp. The year before that, he obviously got hurt in that last preseason game. So. For me, yeah, because he actually ended up on IR for it that that, uh, that first year. So for me, with Highsmith, I haven't had to experience 
the the highs of a great camp preseason and then the lows of man he's not even available come season right. time so in that whole conversation, I'll lean towards Highsmith right now just by default. But obviously, once the season starts and we get a chance to see both of these guys in action, that could easily change. You know, it's funny. You bring up the part of the reason why we're, we've all been so enamored with Ola at points is because he wears the number 92 and he rushes the passer and he's got the visor, too. He just looks like a little Debo. Maybe. Just maybe. Might be. If we would have had a, a normal training camp at Latrobe on the beautiful campus of St. Vincent College and we would have had a normal four or in this offseason five preseason games, mm-hmm. maybe we'd be saying the same thing about Alex Heisman. Absolutely Because he right. wears number 56. Could look and like maybe Woodley. he'd be making us think of Lamar Woodley out there. Motes, I, I don't know who has the inside track because, you know, if you would have made me go first here, I would have said Ola just because he's the guy who's now entering year three. He's had two years at least with the Steelers, right? But maybe what you touched on with Alex Highsmith is more important because it's a cliche, but it's true. The best availability, the best ability is availability, and that's part of what's hindered Ola getting on the football field the past two seasons. But they need one of those guys to emerge. They need to feel confident. Like you said, even if uh, Bud and TJ, like they were last year, were fortunate to avoid any serious injuries and any real length of absence, what I think at TJ maybe had to leave one game, and I think Bud maybe had to leave one game, but that was about it. That's very fortunate, very good for a 16-game NFL season. They're still not going to play 100% of the snaps in no every question. game. You st- you need one of those guys. You just have to be confident in putting one of them out there for even if it's eight snaps a game. Non-special team snaps. Right, yeah, yeah, because if it's, they're, they're going to have right. a, a very defined role right. on special teams. They should be a core four guys, punt, punt return, kickoff, kick return, Defense is going to mm-hmm. be in addition to that. But like you say, easily 8 to 15 plays. And the thing is this, I speak from experience because I've been in those roles before where you are the third guy, the the yep. swing edge guy. Yep. And, yeah, if this guy is tired or he needs a blow, it, and it's the weird thing about it is just you're not going to get five to seven plays in a row. It'll be two plays here, yep. one play here, yep. three plays here. It's very choppy, and, and sometimes it's very difficult in terms of finding a rhythm. I'm but sure. We always say, man, you got to be like a hot pocket, man. Put me in the microwave and I'm instant. I'm ready to go. I, I don't have time to you gotta be like to a kicker. This long you got to be like the kicker, yeah. right? Who stands on the sideline the whole game and has to come in and make a huge kick? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you're man. right. It's it's a different mindset. It's a different skill set. They need one of those guys to to fit that bill to be like you said, eight, twelve, fifteen plays a game, whatever it may be. And that's that's best case scenario, yeah, right? Without a worst doubt, case man. scenario is. You need one of those guys for a full game. You need one of those guys for four or five weeks to, to mm-hmm. be a starter. So, yeah, like I said, it's 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 something we've discussed with this defense a lot this offseason. Man, the first 11, 12, 13 guys on that depth on that on that uh on that lineup sheet, on that depth chart, we feel really good about. Mm-hmm. It's it's the question marks after that and the lack of uh evaluation period yeah. uh, to maybe answer some of those questions. Yeah, and we're going to get in, into that a lot more too when we get out of the break. And this is just a reminder, our Steelers coverage is brought to you by PNC Bank. PNC Bank is the official bank of the Pittsburgh Steelers. This is Arthur Motes and Wesley Euler. It's SNR. Party people! This is the Steelers Blitz with Wesley Euler and Arthur Motes on your 24-7 home of the black and gold, SNR. Back again, check 
Euler remotes on a Friday, keeping this thing rolling, or should I say Motes and Euler, since we did a role reversal today. It's Arthur Motes and Wesley Euler on the Steeler Nation radio. And we're having this conversation talking about, at each position group, which player is going to have the pressure to have that ultimate value, that that pivotal role coming into the season that's ultimately going to help this team out, man. And we talked about how it's a lot different from your star players because we know what we're expecting from them. We know from a value standpoint what they bring, but it's the guys that are behind them, the guys who are going to have substantial opportunities. They're going to see double-digit snaps at that sp- mm-hmm. at that particular position, even though they're not the starter. Those are the guys that we're really looking towards right now in terms of expectations for them and the ultimate impact that they're going to have on the team and how their success is going to really focus on the trajectory of the yeah. team's success as a whole. So now we're transitioning and talking about our interior linebackers, you know, it's something about the defense. You notice mm-hmm. if, if you would have did this conversation, right? If you would have, if you had been in the one oh, chair, here we, we would have went quarterbacks, wide receivers, running backs, tight ends. Hey, you know, Motsi, not everybody can be the prom king. I'm, hey, I get hey, it. I'm, you, I get you, it. I'm you want to go all the glamorous spots? Come to the dark side, okay? Oh, speaking of which, real quick, I uh, I played Madden 21 for the first time this morning. How was it? For about an hour. I I got. I, I got to bother before Uh-oh. we get out of here Uh-oh. that I, I got to tell you. A little tease for you. All okay, right, so don't I like let me, let's, let's keep this conversation yes, going, yes. but don't let me – before we get out of here, remind me to uh, no tell doubt. you about my Madden bother no from this doubt. morning. I, I look forward to it, man. I definitely need to hear this. But um, when we're talking about our interior linebackers, now this one was the most unique to me when I was thinking about this because um, even with Devin Bush, you still don't have that quote-unquote like – established guy that you trust, that you know can do it all, has proven it year in and year out. We talked about at the interior D-line spot. You got Cam Hayward. You got Stephon Tewitt. We talked about it at uh, the outside linebacker spot. You had T.J. White. You got Bud Dupree. But at inside linebacker, which we said is probably the, the spot on this team yeah. that probably has the most question marks, them and O-line in terms of, man, they can either be really good or they can be really bad right now, and it can ultimately cost this team. When I was thinking about the inside linebackers, I'm like, man, Devin Bush is a very valuable candidate in this conversation. But for me, I still think that what we saw from him last year is the absolute floor for him, right? We yeah. feel like he's going to be able to do that in his sleep and still play at a high level. We know that we're expecting a lot bigger things from him yes. going into this season. But for me, man... I feel like it's going to be Vince Williams. Vince Williams is the guy. I thought about Ulysses Gilbert. I just personally don't think that Ulysses Gilbert is going to be able to beat out a guy like Vince Williams who you talk about knowledge of the scheme, understanding the thought process, knowing the tendencies of offenses. You're going to be hard-pressed to find another linebacker as smart as Vince on that roster right now. And even in the AFC North, I mean, Vince is just that type of player. He does not allow himself to get beat from a pre-snap standpoint or a mental standpoint. Now – Will he struggle at times from an athletic ability standpoint? Yes, without a doubt. But in terms of his above-the-net game, he is with the best of them. So that's why I don't think Gilbert will be able to beat him out. And then along with the fact that we've been seeing reports about Marcus Allen taking snaps at inside linebacker as well. To me, you're not having Marcus take those snaps if you have Ulysses Gilbert up to speed and he is ready to go 
to where you're confident he can be out there for for an extended period of time. Right. You don't do that. You don't start bringing guys from other positions. But with them doing that, it makes me really start to wonder in terms of Ulysses Gilbert's development at what stage he's in right now. So understanding that, I feel like a lot of the pressure now will be on Vince Williams hmm. because we know from a communication standpoint he's going to be rock solid. We know from – what they're going to ask him to do from a cover standpoint, they're going to protect him. Very similar to what we saw the team do with Devin Bush last year in terms of really not trying to have him outside of the box. You want to keep him in the middle of the field where he can just read the quarterback's eyes, react, or you blitz him in terms of Vince Williams. That's what you're going to see a lot of from him in terms of if he's out there on these passing situations. And obviously they can take the other route of going with some of these smaller packages using a guy like Marcus Allen or going with your dime uh, or, or – Big dime sometimes, I mean, right, depending right. on how you want to word it. Okey dime, you know what I mean? big <laughs> where, dime. Whereas Devin Bush and, and a Mike Kilton or Devin Bush and a Cam Sutton or, or, or guys like that. But as long as Vince is out there, we know that he's going to have an ex- – that, that, that it's going to be critical for him to be successful because he would, quote-unquote, be the, the weakest link right now. You can make the the, the conversation between him and Troy Edmonds. Both of them bring certain things to the table. Both of them have had limitations at times as well. But for me, man, I feel like the 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 success of the linebackers as a whole, especially the inside linebackers, is going to hinge on Vince Williams and ultimately yeah. how he's able to handle himself in passing situations. In the running game, he's going to be phenomenal. We've seen that. We know he's missed to hit you in the mouth. We know that. <laughs> we know if they're blitzing him, he's going to hurt your running back. He's going to run right over him. He's going to get sacks. We know that. But in those situations where teams are going to try to spread him out and make him have to move his feet and cover, those situations where you can't blitz him right now, you have to drop back and play just traditional pass coverage, that's where we're going to need to see Vince excel or at least be varsity. Yeah. That's going to be the most critical part, and that's why for me, I say at the inside linebacker spot, it has to be Vince Williams. Well, I agree with you 100%. Um, I, I mean, I could obviously make the argument for Devin Bush, certainly. It, it it was great to see what he was able to do last year. Man, he played a lot of snaps for a rookie. He played, like, I think 100 more snaps than Ryan Shazier did yeah. his rookie season. That's going to, I think, pay off big time this year. He was kind of the uh, the, the Robin to, to Mark Barron's Batman last year. Now he's going to be expected to be the Batman and Vince Williams be the Robin. My biggest fear with this Steelers team, Arthur Motes, uh, I don't even really have a fear with this much anymore, at least from the, the Coach small. Thomas said you can't live in your fears now. Come and you're on, right. baby. You're absolutely right. You better cut um, your eyelids off. Other than obviously, I mean, any NFL fan, right, your biggest fear, or not even fear, but just your biggest concern should be the health of your quarterback, right? Yes. Any NFL team, you need your quarterback to stay healthy if you're trying to get where you want to go, unless you got Nick Foles on the bench and uh, a first-round no, no, no. first buy in home wait a field minute, already wait a minute, locked up. Wait a minute. You don't just say Nick Foles. You say Super Bowl champion MVP, MVP Nick Foles. Nick Foles. Right. Put, put the respect on his title. So unless you Best got Best quarterback all, unless, ever, uh, ever play in Philly. Unless you oh, – I'm, I'm with you on that. Unless you got Nick Foles on the bench and you got a first-round uh, buy and home field advantage already locked up, you need your quarterback to stay healthy if you're going to get where you're trying to go. So aside from that, I think the position that would spell the most doom to me if the Steelers had a significant injury is – or the person, singular person, is Devin Bush – I start to get some 2017 flashbacks. Oh, no. And how the defense, right, how how great the defense was Man. until Ryan Shazier went down. That, that broke the back. Broke our back. 
I, you know this much, much more than I do, but anybody who listens to SNR regularly, who follows the Steelers regularly, you've heard Mike Tomlin say this many a times. If you're slow in the middle of your defense, you got a slow defense. Yes. The Steelers need 16 games from Devin Bush. That is, again, like besides, not that I'm worried about the health of Ben Roethlisberger. I'm not. I'm much more confident in that elbow now over these last three weeks. But aside from just your general quarterback health, the one guy that I look at and I, man, if I could wrap him in bubble wrap and a cloak of of protection, I honestly think it would be Devin Bush because what you just said, uh, him and Vince, man, they, they have to do what we know they're capable of doing this season or the Steelers are going to be really thin in the middle of that defense. Yeah, without a doubt, man. That I just I like how you just brought up that 2017 season. It just hurts my heart every time I, I think about it because we were on pace to do something special. Yeah. And that injury, I mean, it, it legit just destroyed what we were trying to accomplish from a defensive standpoint. From there, it became, hey, let, let's try to patch it up and survive over these next couple of games. And I mean, we still made the best of it. Ended up winning the the division and stuff like that. But I mean, it was very difficult, and it put a strain on everyone on that defense. Yep. Man, everybody felt that. So yeah, one hundred percent, I agree with you in terms of Devin Bush in that regard. And like I said before, I chose Vince Williams. I was like, I could easily go either way oh, with absolutely. that, just absolutely. because of how important both of those players are going to be. So, yeah, I definitely agree with you on that, man. Now, when we're talking about the uh, the cornerback position, right, mm-hmm. you know you got Joe Hayden. <laughs> jump man, jump man. You know you got Steven Nelson, man, who really oh, yeah. surprised a ton of people last year, man. Coming over from Kansas City, a lot of people were doubting him. He, he, he excelled at times, man, and really exceeded everyone's expectations. Absolutely. But when I think of the cornerback room, man, the two guys that I'm that, – that, in my opinion, are going to have the most pressure on them and ultimately are going to be needed the most to play at a high level, it's got to be between Mike Hilton and Cam Sutton. Um, when I look at Mike Hilton and Cam Sutton, they both have pretty much shared that nickel corner, slot corner role, right? We know Mike Hilton, he excels in terms of your blitzing element and your run support. We know Cam Sutton excels more in the coverage element of it, but he really hasn't shown anything from a tackling standpoint or a run support standpoint. But when I think of Mike Hilton, I think that, man, he has to take that next step and evolve from a coverage standpoint. Yeah. Because when when you're thinking about him right now, it's going to get to the point, if it hasn't already, where teams are going to be able to start keen and knowing that, hey, if he's in here, they're playing run or they're going to be bringing pressure. So he's going to definitely need to start stepping up in terms of the coverage element of it. And then vice versa with a guy like Cam Sutton, it's the opposite conversation. If you want to excel and get a bigger role, you're going to have to show that you can add that element, that physical nature to your game. Justin Lane, I, I I still think that he can be a really good player, but right now I don't see where he's going to get the opportunities to play barring somebody getting hurt. I don't think we're going to see too many sets where you got five DBs out there. I mean, they could, but because you have Devin Bush right now as the cover linebacker, you're not going to have to do too many of those sub-package defense or those exotic defenses from a personnel standpoint. But – when you're not doing that, you're still going to have to have a nickel corner that can do a little bit of both. And with Mike Kelton, man, I'm just leaning towards him because of the experience that he has in stadium. 
we know Cam Sutton these past years has played really well, but he still doesn't have the full body yeah. work of a Mike Hilton. We also know that Mike Hilton is in a contract year, too. That's the one guy that no one has really talked about from a contract That's standpoint. True. He's been dealing with this for the past two years now in terms of being an exclusive rights free agent, being a restricted free agent, and now he's potentially going to be an unrestricted free agent. But he's been trying to get that contract done. And if he really wants to get paid, whether it's in Pittsburgh or elsewhere, that's going to be the next phase of his game. He's going to have to show that he can do more than just blitz and play run support. Now, you're talking just corners here, right? You leave yes, the yeah, yeah. I'm leaving the safeties okay. out. Okay. Absolutely. Um, man, that's – because if you were lumping them together, I was going to oh, go yeah, with the yeah. low-hanging fruit and talk Absolutely. about talk about Edmonds, obviously. Yeah, we'll, we'll get to safeties, man. Don't you rush this thing. Um. <laughs> I mean, it depends if I'm looking in this conversation just at this year or if I'm looking at kind of a bigger picture, right? Mm -hmm. If I'm talking just this year, I think I want to talk about Steven Nelson. Mm, okay. This guy, was, this guy was great for the Steelers last year in his, in his first year. Absolutely. I feel like we know what we're getting from Joe Hayden consistently at this point. Man, if we can feel like that about Steven Nelson too – Whew. You got so, Minka behind. So are you those saying that guys? I jumped I mean, the gun and thinking that that's what we should expect from Steven Nelson? I, he sold it to me. You, hey, look, I know we got the rule. Don't crown a guy after one year. I crowned him. I was over here giving him a pedicure, <laughs> manicure. I mean, you, you ranked him a top ten corner in the <laughs> I'm NFL. I'm not gonna lie, man. I, I, I I'm drinking the drink. I, I I'm are. sold. You've it ain't take much for me, man. Uh, in terms of this year, I'm gonna, I'm gonna go with Nelson. I am. Um, and you know my one of my favorite tweets. Was September twenty third, two thousand and twelve. Uh oh. You know those that was those were good times. I mean, I was September September twenty third, two thousand twelve. Motsy, I was still in college. Oh man, I was in Buffalo. Then. Oh man, you know I was still in college, able to still go to college football games on yeah. Saturdays. Oh, those were the, oh man, I was still still a year and a half away from graduating college. Oh, those were good days. Stephen Nelson tweeted on September twenty third, two thousand and twelve. I'm mad my Steelers haven't been hot in a few years. Sign your boy when the time comes. Wow. September 23rd, 2012. Shout out to the fact Steve that you Nelson. found that tweet, too. Mad what my Steelers haven't been world. hot in a few years. Sign your boy. And he said BOI, too, which oh, respect. Major boy. respect, boy. Sign your boy when the time comes. Well, you know what, Steven? They did, and you're helping to get them back to being hot particularly in the secondary. Yes, indeed. That's my guy for this year. If we're talking bigger picture, Arthur Motes, <laughs> Justin Lane. Ooh. Because here's why. Uh, Joe Hayden, fantastic signing. Steven Nelson, particularly with the money attached you to some bet, of the question marks. You better marks, not bring up age. Fantastic signing. No, I'm not bringing up age. What right, I'm bringing cool. up here is Motsi. If there's one thing when it comes to defense that I am not insanely confident in in the Pittsburgh Steelers, because I am across the board very confident. Yes. Maybe it's their ability to draft and develop cornerbacks. Mm. It's, it's, it's been a little while. They've had some misses. Now, granted, it's not like they've been spending a bunch of first-round picks Correct. on corners. I, I want to make that be fair. It's not like they've had a bunch of high-pedigree guys. Yeah, because when you talk these, about Mike Hill, an undrafted guy, Cam right. Sutton, third-round third guy. guy. I mean, they had a lot of second and third round, a lot you know, a lot of Golsons and a lot of Burns. And, yeah. and you know, like like there's been some guys that haven't been the Brian highest pedigree. another guy, fifth-rounder. Right, yeah. a lot of guys that haven't been the highest-pedigree guys. But I would love to see the Steelers have a defensive back drafted and developed. You know, an Ike Taylor-type guy, man. Mm -hmm. I would love to see that from Justin Lane if we're talking the bigger picture conversation. But this year, 
yeah, man, I, I feel like I know what I'm going to get from Minka. I know what we're going to get from Joe Hayden. I'm very confident in Edmonds and, and some of the other pieces as well. Man, if Steven Nelson can have a repeat performance or even get a little bit better, a little more comfortable from last year, uh, whew, watch out. We got, we're going to have a no-fly zone going on No in question, man. And like you said, if they can develop these guys – not only will you have those top-tier guys, but you also have the depth behind them, man. Yeah. So without a doubt, yeah, definitely something to follow, man. Definitely something that we're going to be excited about as we continue to cover mm-hmm. this thing. So once again, man, we're going to take this break, pay these bills. But, hey, stick with us because we're going to be coming back on the other side of this thing, man. This is Euler and Motes on SNR. is the Steelers Blitz with Wesley Euler and Arthur Motes on your 24-7 home of the black and gold, SNR. Hey, ho, it's Friday, and that means Motes is hosting. <laughs> oh, I just love it, man. You, it, listen, listen, Wes. We've been doing this for going, well, it's our second year. Yep. And well, I'll, well, was this second full year? No, 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 no. Second full year will be in like November, October right, time right. frame. Yep. Or no, no, October. No, November, December time frame. Excuse me. Last That'd year be, was our first full season. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Because we talked about how I came in at the end. Right. Very then, end of yeah, 2018 correct. season. Yeah. So, yeah, we're almost at the full two-year mark. But for that majority of time, I've been over here in the beach here. Oh, come on. I've been looking up like that little brother. Oh, like, come on. You know, you know, you got that little brother. He's looking like, I want to be like him when I grow up. Yeah, he's oh, so come cool. On. Hey, how many push-ups can you do? Oh, I can't do that many, but I'm going to flex anyways. Like, that's how I feel sometimes, man. <laughs> so now that I got the opportunity <laughs> to be in the driver's chair, I'm taking full I'm advantage of the situation. This Friday, baby. I'm just letting you know, I'm taking full advantage of it. I'm having fun with this thing. Now, listen, there's levels to this thing now because – you know, right now, I'm just barely working the whole A-chair thing. Mm-hmm. Don't let me get to the point where I actually get mm-hmm. to sit in that chair and push all the little buttons and do all the mm-hmm. little bells and whistles. Oh, y'all going to think I done lost my mind. But we not there just yet. So, <laughs> I got to tell you something funny about today. Oh, uh, here Did we you, go. You'll like this. So, normally on Fridays, right, Motsi, I kind of like to treat myself a little bit. That's the only way to do it. Okay, so Fridays normally, right, like I'll get lunch out somewhere mm, before the show. Ow, ow. Right? I'll get up, and you know the morning routine, right? Walk yeah. the dog, have a little toast, you know, pre- do some show prep, mm-hmm. uh, you know, run a couple miles, do some push-ups, obviously. Right, write a song to Here We Go. Uh, write a song <laughs> to Here We Go. So today, uh, one of the places that I like to go sometimes on Friday for lunch, it's a, it's a place up in Cranberry by where I live. It's called Loafers. It's like okay. a bread and a sandwich shop. Yeah. Really good bread, really good sandwiches for anybody who's into that kind of thing, by the way. And so today I'm sitting at Loafers. I'm, uh, you know, I'm in my own zone. I got my laptop there. I got my sandwich. I'm, you know, I'm, I'm mm-hmm. typing away. I'm like, all right, I wonder what we talk about on the show. And I, you know, like despicable me, <laughs> I go, ding, light bulb. A light bulb. And I was like, wait a second. I was like, I don't have to plot out a show nah. today. Mozi's hosting. This is great. You know, so I, you know, I just, uh, maybe I don't remember what I did. I put up some Manchester United news on my laptop <laughs> and I just smiled as I ate my, uh, as I ate my sandwich because I had no stress this morning. Thanks to you. I like it, man. Any t- anything I could do to help the relieve the stress is always a good thing on my part. The way I prepare for the day, I, uh. Got my nose ready. I took a midday nap for the first time in about two months. Let's go. And I enjoyed it. So, I, it. so that's why I'm a little nap. fired up today. I said, oh, what's a rainy day? It's a little gloomy out. It's a perfect setting for a midday nap. Love and a then, midday nap. That's what we did, man. So now we are here, and the midday nap is over. 
But we're also at the mid, uh, we're past the midday point of the show, so we oh. got to make sure that we're lying. not leaving no, no stone unturned, you know, because that's the worst thing to do, right? You get you get involved in a conversation, you're hitting on these factors, and then you get any you lead people you're getting on the, the car to drive home, yeah. and you're like, ah, we I never. I want to hear the rest. We didn't do this. It's kind of like you're watching that TV show, and it is, it's a cliffhanger ending. You're like, oh. did the guy survive? Did he not oh. make it? Like did, did he disappear? Yeah, stuff like that. You're like, I want to know. Like, don't do this to me. So I'm not going to do this to you, Okay. I'm going to finish this conversation, that. especially from a defensive standpoint. I appreciate that. Because that's what good guys do. You are a nice guy. Okay? It's the least I could do, actually. So, to finish up our conversation as we're talking about the defense right now, in the terms of each position and which players from each position group, is it going to be pivotal for them to have a really good season in order to keep the defense going where they are or getting better in some cases? So, now that we're to the safety position, I mean, you kind of you hinted to it a little bit earlier when you were talking about, <laughs> I did. you know, the little hanging fruit here in this room. But I showed yeah, my I showed my hand of cards early. You, you did, man. You you didn't do the radio thing the right way. Usually, you're supposed to tease in radio. Like, is that how we do it? Yeah, that's 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 what they said at I, least. Listen, I apologize. You know, I spent so long uh, as a professional athlete. I'm just getting into this radio thing. You're gonna have to you're gonna have to hold my hand through some I, of this. I, you know, I got you, man. I I went to a couple broadcast boot camps. It was only like a couple days long, but I felt like they taught me everything I needed to know. I wrote down, took a ton of notes. I learned from you. So <laughs> now I'm prepared. Sort of, kind of, not really. Like <laughs> it's like the blind lean the blind, baby. Hey, man, ain't that the best way to go about it, though? <laughs> but um, when I'm thinking about the safety position, man, it has to be Terrell Edmonds. You know what Minka Fitzpatrick yeah. is. Minka Fitzpatrick is tapping to superstar standards, man. If he can go out there and do what he did last year again this year, he will be in that superstar conversation. The same conversation that we had when we're talking about T.J. Watt, that's what he'll be tapping into. And we fully believe that Mika is capable of that. Terrell Edmonds, on the other hand, is the wild card in that safety room. Now, traditionally with a younger player like a Terrell Edmonds, you will be saying to yourself, okay, well, who's this competition? Who's going to be the guy that's going to push him to make him have to step up? Typically, you have a veteran guy on the roster that he's either competing with, learning from, or trying to overtake from a safety standpoint. But that's not the case right now. I mean, when we're talking about Terrell Edmonds, his competition is uh, Jordan Dangefield, good friend of the show. Shout out to him. Antoine Brooks and, and Marcus Allen sometimes, you know, just, just from a, a positional standpoint. So, really, he doesn't feel any pressure from that regard, from a depth chart standpoint. But for me, when I think of Terrell Edmonds, I understand just the position that he's going to be in. It's going to be critical for him to improve. It's going to be critical for him to take that next step. We, we've been talking about it all offseason in terms of his coverage, in terms of especially at the point of attack. In terms of and, – and this is why I would like to, I like to specify point of attack because you don't see many blowing assignments by Troy Evans. We don't see many situations where he's just, you know, running the wrong direction or, or guys wide open and that was his man. You're not seeing that with Troy Evans. In fact, it's the opposite. He's pretty much on his guy in great position a lot of times. But as we've seen numerous occasions, it's the finish. It's the minutia that goes with when the player, when the offensive player is about to catch the ball and he's in position, making that play, finishing the play. That's the thing that he has to work on the most and ultimately improve on. And there are a multitude of things that he could do to improve that, whether it's playing through a receiver's hands if you feel like, hey, I don't, I'm not in position yet. Or it could be going for interceptions. Or it could be, hey, okay, I'm not going to be able to make a play on the ball. Let me separate him from the ball. Those are the things that he's going to have to become more familiar with and improve upon. And honestly, it's not easy to do. I understand it takes time. 
people look at Minka and think that, hey, this is normal. And the same way we looked at TJ and thought yeah. that was normal. Yeah. TJ and Minka are outliers. That does not happen typically in year one and year two what those guys have been able to accomplish. True. It typically takes multiple years to catch up to that. And that's why for me, I think that's why I've been more understanding of a guy like Terrell Edmonds, even a guy like Bud Dupree, because I know it's not as cut and dry as easy as those guys. And they sometimes receive a lot of unwarranted criticism and pressure solely because of the guy they're playing opposite. Yeah. So when I think of Edmonds, I feel like now that he's been in the league for, what, three years now? Yep. It's time for him to have caught up to that now. It's time for him to understand that, hey, ball in the air, how am I playing this? We talk, He's phenomenal in the run game. He's phenomenal. His open field tackling is with the best of him. It's the reason why he's had 100-plus tackles in back-to-back seasons. It's the reason why the defense has been really good in terms of the run game because when you get to the second level, that safety position, him making that tackle at 7, 8 yards, even 10 yards is night and day between him missing that tackle and that being a 20-yard run, Hmm? 30-yard run, explosive plays. Mm -hmm. That's what Edmonds brings to the table. But if he can begin to cross that line of being more varsity in the coverage element of it, that can really affect this defense in a big time way. I think even I think with Terrell Edmonds and Vince Williams, those are the two guys that is going to determine whether this defense is good this year or great this year. Those are the two guys. So for me, man, when I think of Edmonds, I do believe that. I mean, we talk. He has all the intangibles. Mm-hmm. He has the speed. He has the size, the athletic ability. I mean, from an athletic standpoint, him and his brother Tremaine in Buffalo are by far some of the best athletes I've ever seen Yeah, in terms of what they can do from a size, speed, and athletic ability standpoint. It's, it's crazy. But that's the next thing, though, finishing the plays. Yep. Playing, and, and, and like I said, for me, the, the way I would handle those is I said, okay, if I'm not the fastest guy, I know I'm going to be in position, but because I'm not the fastest, I'm not going to be in position to more than likely get these interceptions, or I'm not going to be as tall as some of these other guys to get to compete with a jump ball, right? So I said, what's the alternative to that? I'm playing through hands. If you're catching the ball at 6'6", 6'5", 6'4", that's fine. You got to bring the ball down, though. Hmm. And when you're bringing it down, that's when I'm going to use my vertical and, and do what I do to punch the ball right. out or potentially compete or compete for that those, pass. Those combat catches. <clears throat> Absolutely. Those are the things that Edmonds are gonna, is going to have to understand and figure out what works best for him so that way he can be more effective in coverage because that's the biggest thing that's missed from his game. If he can get that under control – and start to get good at it, and if he starts to excel at it, sky's the limit. But yeah. if he could just get good at that element of his game, man, the sky's the limit for him. Man, I echo everything you just said. We've talked about how his rookie year, his first year, was really a trial by fire. Played more snaps than anybody on the Steelers as a rookie. I mean, all the different people that he had line up next to him throughout that season, different running mates. Uh, and and he came out of that with a lot of positives to take from, again, a rookie season kind of trial by fire. Last year, I think he growed on that. I think he expanded on that, took a step forward. Now, maybe it's kind of the same conversation you and I have had at times about Bud Dupree, whereas if Edmonds was a second-round pick instead of a first-round pick, if he was drafted 30 spots mm-hmm. later than where he was, I think everybody would be very happy with his progress. And, that's, and that is solely, you know, when we're talking about just the value element of a right. draft pick, because... I mean, I know some people will try to, I guess, forget the value of a draft pick and just, oh, well, man, once you get drafted, it really doesn't matter what you do, where you were drafted. It's more so what you do when you get here. No, that's not the case. There's a reason why the draft picks are where they are. It's a reason why they are valued the way they are valued. And the, expa- the expectations are what they are because after these scouts put all that work in and the money that's invested in these picks, 
you have certain levels of expectations mm-hmm. for certain players. It, 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 right, wrong, or indifferent, it doesn't matter how long they've been yeah. in the league. It's the reason why we praise a guy like Brady who came in as a sixth rounder. It's the reason why we praise guys like Antonio Brown who came in the late round compared to some of these first rounders who could probably have the same level of productivity, but because of where they were drafted at, one was, oh, I'm not surprised, but it's kind of like the second and third child syndrome compared to the first child. <laughs> first child, you're like, whoa, you blew my mind. I couldn't believe you did this. You're walking? Yeah. Wow. Se- second and third, you're like, you're walking. It took you long enough. Man, my, my, start running I'm going to say my first child did that in a month. You, why are you taking so long to do this? Oh, now you're potty trained. Right. Oh, only two weeks longer than it took your sister. <laughs> but yeah. that's the biggest thing, man. So you, you definitely hit you know, right on the top of the head, man, with that in terms of the value of that, and if he is drafted, if he was drafted, like I said, a round later or even ten picks later, totally different conversation with him, man. With that, I still think, I mean, even last year, right? Uh, he, it, it was the the parts around him were doing a lot of moving, a, lo- a lot of rotating. You bring in Minka in the middle of the season, it, it for him. It's he's learned a lot. He's been through a lot. He's had a lot of uh, different experiences in uh, in what just two full seasons now in the NFL. Now entering his third, and I, I has played the most snaps in yeah. both those seasons from uh, the Steelers defense, right? Man. Yeah, I I think this is really it comes together for the defense in general. It comes together for him this year. Everything slows down. He's got Minka next to him. He's got Joe Hayden and Steven Nelson. It, it, he he's gonna just have to worry about his responsibilities and nothing else. I I, I think it's gonna be a big year for thirty four. I really do. Yeah, and, and I think, like I said, him and Vince, they have the biggest, you know, situation in terms of the importance and in terms of the swinging of how good or bad this defense can be. If those guys can play varsity and be where they need to be and produce how we are expecting them to produce, the sky is the limit for this defense. Yeah. If those two guys be if those two guys become the weak link or are the weak link during the season and they can't keep up with everything that's going on, it's really gonna hinder what the Steelers defense is trying to accomplish from a personnel standpoint. And from an identity standpoint, you think about last year, they were able to move away from all of the blitzing that they had done in the past and really just linked on their front four to get pressure, to get sacks, and get after the quarterback. But in doing so, that means your backers are going to have to cover more. That means, obviously, with a guy like Troy Evans, he's going to be in, you know, some really, at times, strenuous coverage situations. Those are the guys they're gonna have to stand up in those opportunities and those mm-hmm. moments because if they can't, well now you got to try to do what we've heard in the past, smoke <laughs> and mirrors. Which yeah, for for all intents and purposes, is not a fan. Yeah, yeah, it's, it's not good. It's uh, not good. It's not good. I'll, I'll hold on that Arthur Motes. Yeah. So we try to avoid the smoke and mirrors element of this thing, but that's a, a, a legitimate thought process that could be happening and we talk about the contingency plans we're already like I said we're hearing from coach Tom and talk about a guy like Marcus Allen getting those opportunities at inside linebacker that's the contingency plan if Vince Williams can't hold up at the safety position they don't have that luxury they don't have a contingency plan if Terrell Edmonds can't play to that level right so that's why it's like man at least with Vince you have okay, if this isn't working, we can go Marcus Allen. If Marcus Allen is where we can go with a dime package, we can go with a big nickel, big dime package. We have all these other luxuries. Cam uh, Cam Sutton, Mike Hilton, even a Justin Lane could potentially be used, you know what I mean, in, in, in unison in that scenario. Mm-hmm. But like I said, you don't have that luxury at safety. You don't have the ability to say, well, you know, if Edmund's not doing it, let's put this guy in there because he's pushing him. He, 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 he can check all those same boxes and he's being productive. The gap between Edmonds 
in the next best guy is pretty substantial yep. right now. And and I think just overall, that's why it's so much more pressure on Edmonds because he doesn't have that backup plan. He doesn't. It, there yes. is no backup plan for him. Correct. We talk about how There's we're no all in. There's no veteran right. depth guy there. Yeah. I mean, we talked about how the Steelers were all in with Big Ben, right? We said earlier this offseason, we talked about what well, Jameis was available, Jameis Winston. We talked about Cam Newton was available. We were talking about, hey, should they draft a guy, maybe a, a Jalen Hurts and stuff like that. The Steelers are going in with everything. We're betting all our chips on Big Ben. That's the exact same thing they're doing from a secondary standpoint with Terrell Edmonds. At all the other positions on on the defense, you either have a backup that you drafted, a backup that's been in the system for a while, a guy that you trust, a guy from an athletic standpoint (laughs) is still going to check every box. That's the one thing they don't have at the safety spot, which is why, like I said, it's so critical and so much more pressure on Edmonds to make sure that he stays up to par and stays healthy. No, it's it's a great call by you. It's it's maybe like the similar conversation that we had about the interior linebackers, but even even more magnified with this. It's the two starters, and then there's there's not a uh, ton of reinforcements behind yeah. the two starters. And I, I like I, I I'm with you in the sense that I don't maybe it's because Minka has been fortunate in his young career hasn't really missed any time. Edmonds, like we said, the past two years he's played more snaps than anybody on the Steelers. Let's just uh, let's just hope that continues, Arthur. Let's let's hope that that does not become a concern. <laughs> Absolutely, you know, here, here here in the next uh, four or five months. Yeah, because like I said, man, between Jordan Dangerfield, who's obviously been in the system for a while now, mm-hmm. he's had some game experience. Even though he's a really good player, he still isn't on the level of Amika or Troy Edmonds. Antoine Brooks, later round draft pick, yeah. you still that's a crapshoot. You really don't know what to expect from him, and from there is really a, a major drop off. So. Without a doubt, man, those – you talk about the starting safeties. I mean, shout out to the fact they're part of the same first round in the same exact draft class, yes, man. Yes, they so are. Let's hope that this pedigree continues to pay off for both of those guys, man, because as a whole, the team is going to need it. Yeah. But we got to pay more bills. We you, do. You, listen, you can't – Do you want me Do you want me to do my Madden bother now or do you want me to do it on the other side when no, we no, come No, no, we're going to come on, on the other side because okay. we obviously got to read tweets. We got to show me the money. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, without a doubt, we're going to get to that Madden bother then. But I don't want you to have me in the driver's seat and then we get in trouble for me not paying no, the bills because you. you're going to point the finger. I feel like no, you the guy. No, you're going to send guy. the anonymous email saying, hey, no, I heard most of them won't pay the bills. I'll dive on the grenade for you, baby. Come on. I think we should remind the people, though, right, that they got – uh, they got to get their tweets in now, or I mean, they're gonna have to I, I, hold their peace for a long time. Absolutely. If you don't have them tweets in by now, man, it is over for you until shh, I can't even count that far because it's not 21 hours. It's it's like yeah, a whole whole lot of whole yeah, lot. Yeah, and maybe we should tell the people because we haven't told the people this yet. See, you trying to jump the gun? No, easy, big fella, easy. I mean, I'm just being transparent. Easy, big fella, easy. This is a reason this, why this might have been the penultimate segment uh, from hearing from Arthur Motes for a little while. See, so here you go. It's a reason why we had that conversation <laughs> in the last segment. Okay, so that we okay, just get on okay, out of okay. here. Hey, hey who's forget in the driver's seat today? Who's forget driving? What, just forget what who's I just driving said. today. Who's well, driving? I gotta be the backseat driver. Who, you know yeah, how this exactly, works. Exactly. Hey, you should have slowed down there. Hey, you should use your turn signal. I feel like. I got my oldest daughter in the back seat talking about dad. Dad, how fast are you going, Dad? Are we there yet, Dad? Dad, why'd you go this way? Instead? The GPS said go that way. Why are you going this way? Listen, baby girl, shush. You know, All right? it's, it's really faster to take up McKnight Road as yeah. opposed to 279. Yeah, like chill out here, man. But anywho, <laughs> in the midst of this Steelers coverage, I just want to let you know that our Steelers coverage is brought to you by PNC Bank. PNC Bank is the official bank of the Pittsburgh Steelers training camp report. <sighs> This is Jeweler Remotes, SNR.
grandma and your grandma were sitting by the fire. My grandma told your grandma, I'm gonna set your flag on fire. You're talking about head now. Head this now, is the now, Steelers Blitz now. with Wesley Euler and Arthur Motes on your 24-7 home of the black and gold, SNR. Yes, Euler and Motes, Motes and Euler on a Friday. Holla. You know when you hit a Dixie Cups, you know what that means. We got to go to the dot .com. But before we do that, before we hop to the Twitter.com, I got to let you know that Steelers Training Camp Media Availabilities are presented by your neighborhood Ford store. The Ford F-150 is mm. the official truck of the Pittsburgh Steelers. Hoo-wee. And we got a couple of things we got to talk about in this last segment. Now, we know we got tweets we got to get to, the dot-com. Mm-hmm. We also know that, what, we got time to get some show-me-the-money. Got to get that paper. Of That's course. mandatory. Obviously. But we got to hear this Madden grief that you have, uh, along with, yeah. you know, this, this this nonsense that you were spewing about me getting fired, and now you got me, you know, leaking this information out a segment too early. Man, how do you think the people going to react to that? Well, Rebecca's so, already nervous on the Twitter.com. Yeah, man. You know, this could be my this is my, about to be my last time on the show, man. I'm sad. <laughs> Not all right, I was playing. It sounds good, though. <laughs> <laughs> Anywho, get to your Madden grief. I'll give them my news okay. after this, man. Okay. Um, here's my beef with Madden, Arthur Motes. I played for about an hour this morning, right? Uh-huh. Madden 21, the newest Madden. Just dropped a couple days ago, right? Uh, and so, right, I can't really – like I said, I played for like an hour this afternoon, this morning. I can't – it's not like I can give a, few, a, few, a full review uh, over an hour. But I, I did like um, – you know, I didn't like what I played in the in the first hour, if you will. You said you did or you did not? I did. I okay, did. okay. Yes. Yeah. Um, but here's what I'll say. Here's Uh-oh. my bother with uh, with Madden 21. My favorite thing to do, Arthur Motes, uh, when, I, when I get a new Madden game for the first time, right, is to take a franchise and do a fantasy draft. Ooh. Right? It's just fun. Just start guy. from okay. zero, start a fantasy yeah. draft, see what kind of team you end up with, see if you can, you know, you can win a Super Bowl. So, you already know. Who I wanted to go with first, Motes. Who do you think I wanted to start a fantasy draft with today? The Washington football team. You would be correct, Arthur Motes. <laughs> so, you always do. Because you love the uniforms. They're iconic. I'm with you. I, I love it. I got you. If I'm starting a franchise, like fantasy draft, right? So if I'm not starting a season with the Steelers where I'm really trying to, you know, put my Kevin Colbert hat on. Uh, if I'm if I'm just starting blank slate, fantasy draft Madden style, I always go with the Washington football team or quick, I go with the, side with note, the Raiders. Right? Quick side question. Mm-hmm. So you saw when the Washington football team switched their name, right? They had the yes. jersey rollout. Yes. We saw the picture of uh, Terry Mag- uh, McGlone, mm-hmm. and he had— Scary Terry. Yeah, it looked like last year's jersey, just they changed the name on the uh, above the numbers from Redskins to Washington. Correct. So on the video game, since I haven't played it, but you have, which uniforms did they have? They have the new ones. Like the the, the like ones that, that we saw in the rollout, correct? Yes, like they say Not Washington the the on picture. the chest, and they have yeah, the, the, the number on the, the helmet. Yeah. Okay, correct. Yes. So here's what happens, Arthur Motes. Right? I'm like, oh, this is gonna be great. I'm gonna start Washington football team. I'm gonna draft. Uh-huh. You know, we'll see uh-huh. what happens here. So I click, you know, start a new franchise, fantasy draft, and it pops up. Right? Choose your franchise. Uh huh. It's alphabetical. So I'm thinking, okay, alphabetical by team nickname, right? Oh, so it's man, like good luck with that based one. on Steelers, based on Raiders, would you know, be, Bengals, Browns. Are they football or are they team? So that's what, what I'm thinking, mean? right? Or would I'm it like, not it's have a be, nickname so uh, they started like, at the okay, beginning? Okay, so they either got to be like at the end, maybe because of Washington, or I'm thinking they're under F because of football team. Or team. I'm cycling through. Or it could be like like the number system because they don't technically mm. have a nickname. So it could be before A. Arthur Mo, you know where they had them? Dead last. The same spot they always had them. 
as if they still had wow. the Redskin nickname. They were right between. They were right between Raiders and or Ravens and Raiders or wherever they wow. want to be. I was like, "Are you kidding me?" That's lazy, man. Isn't that lazy? Don't, like, no, no, don't they have like patches? They're supposed to fix that, man. Right. Patch that element of the game. Uh, like, I want them put in the them right place. Alphabetically by Washington, you know, put them at the right. end. But, but don't leave them as if they were still the Redskins. Yeah, they're either the football or the team uh. or just no nickname. It's one or the other. You you can't have it this way. Come on, baby. You got to do better than that, Madden. Do better. I, I was I was bothered. I was I was yeah. I was shook. But I did proceed. I got the 15th overall pick. Okay, who was your first selection? Russell Wilson. Great choice. 15th overall. Great choice. I'll take that all day. Absolutely. Wow. Second round selection. You're going to like this even more. Overall? Mahomes? Or Mahomes Lamar? was number Yeah. Okay. La- Mahomes was early. Lamar was early. Um, like Chase Young and Nick Bosa were early. Ronnie Stanley was early. Uh-oh. It's heavy quarterbacks. Wait a minute, pass wait a minute. And- still, his, still his question. Mm-hmm. Was Big Ben on the board when you took Russ? Yes, he was. Wow. A lot of quarterbacks were still when I drafted Russ at fifteen. I think the only like, it was like the young quarterbacks were gone. Yeah, you know what I mean. You think you know a guy? First round, you'll really like this. The the bones of this team that I built, Arthur Motes. First round pick, fifteenth overall, Russell Wilson. Okay. Second round pick. I don't know how he didn't get drafted. I gotta have to have a talk with the creators of Mad. Khalil Mack was my second round pick. Yeah. What? Ninety seven overall. Yeah. Brought him. What? Yeah. yeah. Yeah, brought him to the nation's capital in the second wow. round. And then this, you're, this is maybe even more blasphemy. Guess who my third round pick was? I'm scared. You see me and Julio down by the schoolyard. Julio Jones development at third round. Arthur Motes, tell me it would never happen that an NFL, if, if, if all the players were put into a pool and everybody redrafted Julio, clean, Julio, yeah, even that, that you th- could get away with a team, Russell Wilson, Khalil Mack, and Julio Jones. Not a chance. Wow. I was like, I was doing, I was doing like yeah. ankle kicks in my room. I was so excited. Jeez. Yeah. Wow. I know. I, that's, that's crazy. I know. I was not expecting that at all, man. And then I, uh... I think like Mitchell Schwartz was like my fourth round pick. Yeah, you're about too. to have like, like a 99 no, roster. Trent is... Williams was my fourth round pick. Swear. So, uh, little wow. nugget for everybody: if you're going into Madden 21 and you're doing a fantasy draft, the artificial intelligence really va- favors youth. Ah, youth. That's over why I was able to get all those gotcha. guys. You know, because yeah, they're, they're all in their, they're 29 yeah, yeah. or they're 31 Absolutely. or. So that's my only logic behind it is that the game okay. really favors youth because dude, I got you, Julio Jones in the think third about round. This, man. You go that route, you got two years, you're competing for a championship, and then after that you rebuild. You you draft different pieces, the this uh different younger guys to come in and right. overtake those veteran guys. But wow, dude, that's crazy. Because usually when I do those fantasy drafts, I want to build a team for the long haul. Right, right. But when you're giving me Russell Wilson in the first round, you give me Khalil Mack in the second round, you give me Julio Jones give in the third three, round. Give me three years of dogs, yeah, I'm, I'm, and I'm I'll make it work after right that. <laughs> yeah, without a doubt, man. Right, without most, a doubt. Let's get to some of these tweets here. Uh, Harry chimed in and said there was a birthday shout-out earlier in the week. My birthday is today. Happy birthday, Harry. Happy birthday to you. Happy birthday to you. Happy birthday, dear Harry. Happy birthday to you. And many more. Cha-cha-cha. Grant says, West doesn't lie when it comes to this year's game. I'm an avid player. So far, seriously disappointing. Franchise mode needs a serious overhaul. Yeah, I heard, man, that they really didn't bring anything new to this year's Madden. Uh, apparently yeah. they're waiting for 
Well, hopefully we're waiting for next the next gen. year. Absolutely, when they yeah. break it out for the new PS5 and the new uh, Xbox as well. But, yeah, I've been hearing the same thing, man. Joan chimes in here. She's got a nickname for Chase Claypool. It's Mapletron. Ooh. I like that. And I love maple syrup, too. I really like that. Man, I don't know if anybody clean. else has claimed that yet, but we might have to We might have to claim that one. Uh Thrash uh, wants to know, Motsi, has there ever uh, been a player in training camp, either Buffalo, Pittsburgh, or Arizona, seemed like a real long shot to make the roster, but beat the odds or beat out someone that seemed like a lock to make the team? Man. Um, well, I'm trying to think, man. <laughs> and, and turn, because what I'm trying to figure out is I've seen guys who are a long shot to make the team that did beat out some guys that made the team. But ultimately, the guy that they beat out, it wasn't like he got released. Hmm. Okay. You know, if that makes sense to you. Yeah, that makes sense. So for me, um, Mike Hilton is, is the one that always Ooh. sticks out because William Gay at the time, had, I think he had just broke the uh, the record for uh, most interceptions return for a touchdown in the season prior to that. Uh, obviously had been a, a, a stalwart in that secondary for years. And I remember Mike Hilton coming as an undrafted free agent. Nobody really expected a lot of him. Yeah. And when we thought about it at the time, we had just drafted Sinquez Golson the year prior to that. And, you know, that, that really didn't pan out because of the injuries and stuff. So we were kind of expecting the same thing with Mike Hilton. And literally from OTA's training camp preseason, he worked his way all the way up to where he was the day one starter in the opener. And I remember just thinking to myself, like, yo, this is crazy. Yeah. I mean, when he came in, we thought, like, you're not even Sinquez. Sinquez is a fourth-round pick, I want to say, or a third-round pick at the time. No, maybe even second-round pick, if I, if I remember correctly, with Sinquez out of Ole Miss. And we were like, man, you, you weren't even as good as this guy, and he hasn't even made it out here. You don't stand a chance. But ultimately, man, he worked his way, and now he's had a very, very nice career. He's the one that I probably, that I probably would say would stick out to me the most. Another guy that – you can kind of say did that. Obviously, he had better pedigree. But at the time when he came to us, he was very much on the decline or it was mm. a lot of question marks, and that's Jerry Hughes. Mm. Remember, he was the first-round draft pick to the Indianapolis, yeah. uh, Indianapolis Colts. And at the time, his three years there, I think he had maybe one or two sacks. He was a bubble guy at best. And I remember trade, we traded for him. We traded Kelvin Shepard, who was our starting inside linebacker, for uh, Jerry Hughes because he fit the defense. Obviously, at the time, me and uh, Nigel Bradham were going to be the interior linebackers with Kiko Alonso. So Shepard really didn't fit that scheme under Mike Pettin. But I remember seeing Jerry Hughes come in, and we were kind of just like, well, I mean, we know he's a first-rounder. Obviously, he was <laughs> in my draft because we were like, he really hasn't panned out. You know, some people are already giving him the bust moniker and things right. like that. right. And literally, as soon as he got there, man, it was just crazy seeing his development and ultimately how he goes from a guy that we're kind of just saying was a waste of a trade because we had a guy that was starting for two years to a guy that has been relatively a bust. And he comes in, has a great OTA, great training camp, ends up having 10 sacks his first year in Buffalo. So, yeah, I would say he was the other guy that I saw that really just surprised a lot of people like that. And then I'm trying to think in Arizona – Probably go with Josh Bynes, man. He's hmm. the inside linebacker now with the Cincinnati Bengals. Yep. Played a long time with the Ravens, won a Super Bowl with them. At the time in uh, in Arizona, Hassan Riddick, who was the first-round draft pick a year prior, was the guy they had high hopes for, big expectations for. And uh, I'm drawing a blank on the other first-round draft pick. Oh, uh, Deion Buchanan. He was the other guy that was supposed to be the two inside linebackers. And Josh was kind of just – 
vet minimum at the time. Nobody really had a lot of expectations mm. for him, but he ended up being the starter out there, had success, and then ultimately got brought back to Baltimore last year. Now he's in Cincinnati this year. So at those three locations, those were probably the three guys that surprised the you know just everyone in terms right. of what they were able to do from an OTA to training camp preseason standpoint to be the starters and have really successful seasons and ultimately careers. I dig it. I dig it. All right, so before we get to uh, the paper here. Oh, yeah, I guess I'm supposed to let people know what the, so what the announcement is. Rebecca says, okay, what is happening? And she has the the worried Kermit, you know, picture right. GIF here. And Thrash says, right? I was like, what, is this Mozi's last segment? All right, listen, everybody. All right, it, no, 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 it should come from me. It should come from me. <laughs> well, I just want to make I gotta, sure, I gotta take I responsibility make sure here, the man. people know. I'm okay. going to take responsibility. I'm going to let him know. I made a mistake, so it's important that I get this out there <laughs> on the this, air. If this was <laughs> actually, like, our last show, I mean, you think we'd really go out like this? We'd have a whole week of, like, farewell tours, smelling the roses, you know, letting everybody tell us how much they're going to miss us. <laughs> oh, we wouldn't be going gosh. out like thieves in the night, Yeah, okay? not at all. We're going to let you know because we want every single compliment that we yep, can get. All the roses. We're, we're, we're those type of guys, all right? <laughs> We'll probably have shirts on to say last week of show. That's right. And let people that's know. Right. <laughs> we'll have a GoFundMe page. Set right, up. right. But no, 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 that's not the case, man. In all seriousness, family vacation, man. You yep. know, it's always important to spend time with family. We talked about how this offseason, we've really been on the grind throughout this whole, you know, situation with COVID and everything like that. So for me and my family, we never got an opportunity to take our trip. So we had ended up pushing it back. You talked about that back. yesterday. Hawaii. Yeah. You were supposed to go to Hawaii in Absolutely. July. We were supposed to do Hawaii. We were supposed to go to LA. So all of those things kind of got altered. So we ended up, we're saying that this was going to be the best time to go before the season got here because we know when season gets here, we locked in 100%. Mm-hmm. So that's all, man. Just getting a little, little me time. Arthur little Mutt's going for time. a little, little sunshine and R&R next week. You know that's what I mean? So, so that's what we on, man. So if I'm not here next week, that's where I'm at. Don't think I got fired. Not yet, big fella. Not yet. Uh, if you hear replays all of next week, just know that I successfully snuck into Arthur Mutt's <laughs> suitcase. And I'm having a great time with the Mutt's family on vacation. Hey, man. You know I got you. <laughs> all right, Mutsy, What do you say we get some paper before we get out of here? Isn't that the only way to do it on a Friday? Come all on right, now. Let's hit it. Show me the money. Show me the money! Oh, yes. You gotta love it. Oh, yes, Arthur Motes. All right. Real simple today. Uh, I got a hockey bet for you. I got a basketball bet for you. Oh, man. All right. All right. Let's go with the hockey one first because it's a little more complex. Okay. okay. Not even necessarily. We're just going to parlay. <laughs> it's a little more complex. We're going to parlay two results. Hey, parlay. As a parlay, he what says. What do you know about parlay? Tomorrow... Okay, Tampa Bay plays the Bruins, the Flyers, Philadelphia play the New York Islanders. We are going to parlay Tampa Bay and the Islanders both to win. Okay? They're both slight favorites. Okay. Tampa Bay and the New York Islanders. Man. But if we parlay them both to win, we get good odds. We more than double our money. We get plus 215. Ooh, okay. I like that a lot better. So that is our one of okay. two bets this okay. weekend, Arthur Motes. We are going to parlay money line Tampa Bay to beat Boston and the Islanders to beat the Flyers just straight up. I mean, if you don't parlay, are you even betting? If you don't parlay, you yeah. don't be hanging out with Jack Sparrow. Nah, you got to parlay. And then our basketball bet's going to be real simple, too, Arthur Motes. Uh, the Ooh, Dallas Mavs. Luka! Tom- tomorrow at noon. Luka and Boban? They're getting 10.5 points against the Clippers. Whoa. 10.5. Whoa. Double digits. Whoa. With, with an extra-rested Luka? With an extra-rested Luka who now got a couple extra days for that ankle to get my, back my, healthy. My, are we going to get a Porzingis as well? We might get a Porzingis as well. And that's why I'm jumping on this before you might not get 10.5 points by the time tip-off comes around yeah, tomorrow. Right. A couple books have already moved it down to 9.5. 
still sitting at 10 and a half on Fox Bet. So Arthur Motes, let's take the Dallas Mavs plus 10 and a half. So again, parlay the Tampa Bay Lightning. Now, are they home dogs? Te from a technical standpoint. Are they the home dogs? I think they are. What game would this be? This, is, this has to be game four. Because the series is what? It's 3-2 yeah, right, right now. No, it's 3-2. No, it's 3-2. No, it's definitely 3-2 right now. So then 3-2 means it would be game six. Which would have to be in be, Dallas. Which would have been in Dallas. Yeah, so they're home, home dogs. dogs. Yeah, they're home dogs. Yeah. Give me the Mavs plus 10.5. Parlay the Islanders and the Lightning to win both of those games tomorrow. Our home remotes. dogs. That'll do it for us this week. Man, that was fun. That was fun, man. I got the host on a Friday, man. I got to put on my big boy shoes out like I was Wesley Eula with the good hair today. <laughs> it was a blast, man. I got a shout out to the Power Grid, the Mega Wise, everybody that tweeted the show. We really appreciate you. Woo. Shout out to the producer, man, working the ones and twos, the best <laughs> in the business, the man that wears a thousand caps, but his hair always looks perfect. Oh, I like that. <sighs> and I will see you guys on the other side, man. So, uh, like I said, thanks again for the show. We appreciate everybody. Obviously, you know where the finest men on your 24-7 home of the black and gold. Steelers Nation Radio.